Hello, everybody out there. Welcome to What the Tigers Taught Me. I'm Stephen Diamond, your host from the hit Netflix TV series, Tiger King 2, The Doc Antle Story. And I suffered from stress and anxiety for over 25 years. And boy, what a story I have. I'm sure a lot of you who uh, have seen me on the Netflix TV series didn't get a chance to hear my whole story. You got a little taste of it. And yes, that was pretty traumatic. But there's so much more that went into causing me to live the life that I did. And I've learned a few things and figured a few things out along the way. So today, I spend my life teaching people all over the world how to live a more peaceful existence. And you know what? I can teach you too. And if you're watching me on YouTube right now, thank you so much for being a part of this broadcast. And I hope you'll tune in regularly. Thank you. It means a lot to me. And if you're listening to me around the world, wherever you get your podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google Play, wherever you listen, hey, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to listen to some of the things that I think are valuable and can really help you live a much better life. So if you will, allow me to introduce myself. You know, uh, I, I'm sure you all know that I grew up with real lions and tigers. But here on the broadcast, I'm using the term tiger as a metaphor for those scary things deep down inside of us that eat at us and constantly uh, rear their ugly head throughout our lives. You know what I'm talking about. Things like stress and anxiety and depression and obsessive compulsive disorder all kinds of things like that. Those kind of stuff are what I call hidden prey. And they lurk in the shadows deep within our soul and they come up and rear their head at the most unappropriate time imaginable. But that's just the way life is. That's the way we were built as, as human beings, uh, you know, to be honest. And so I thought I'd start the very first podcast by talking to you a little bit about how I grew up and what triggered my anxiety and stress. And I think in that you might recognize yourself just a little bit, even though some of the things that happened to me are extraordinarily over the top. I get that. Uh, my life is and always has been over the top. I mean, how many people do you know that grew up as a 12-year-old boy swimming with a 450-pound tiger in his pool? Not many. Um, you know, I, I spent uh, decades of my life touring around the world as a professional magician, traveling all over the world with lions and tigers in my act and performing throughout, uh, you know, ev almost every nation on the planet, it seems like. And have entertained millions of people in the process. But what the public didn't know is that they only get to see that 90 minutes that I'm on stage, but they don't get to see the other 20 plus hours where I'm going through this war internally, this internal battle inside of my soul that is just corrupting me. It, 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 it's, it, it's like it's corrupting your hard drive you know, uh, back in the early days of computers, uh, we used to have to do this thing every once in a while called defragmenting your hard drive. Um, we don't do it anymore, but, but that's kind of what I learned to do. And I developed my own series of techniques and, and coping skills 
um, that I now teach people all over the world. And I didn't realize what I was doing at the time. I didn't know that I was creating coping skills. Um, but what I was really doing or what my brain was really doing was trying to manage the stress and anxiety that was just corrupting me from the inside out. And it's my belief and the belief of my therapist over the last 25 years that all of this derived from some of the post-traumatic stress disorder that I experienced as a very young child. And we're going to talk about a lot of that today. So you can kind of get a baseline for where I started. And my hope with this podcast is that as we deal with one topic each episode, uh, you'll be able to learn a few things that will help you to stress less and live a better life. And that you'll also be able to see yourself and understand that you do not have to continue living the way you are. Better thinking equals better results. And when you learn how to process information, like I learned how to process information, you'll find that your quality of life begins to improve because you are living a different way. And now you have these skills in your tool belt, uh, so to speak, that whenever the stress and anxiety becomes too much, you can reach down in there and pull out one of those handy little tools that I'm going to teach you um, over the broadcast. And so after years and years of uh, struggling to get out of bed each day, I began searching for help. And you know what one of the strangest things for me was, is that the help wasn't there. I just couldn't find help anywhere, no matter where I went, no matter how many doctors I saw. And believe me, I saw all the doctors. I took all the medications. I had every kind of psychotropic medication that you can imagine, uh, took all the toxic pills, and they only turned me into a useless zombie with a weenie that didn't work. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of you out there listening and watching me on YouTube right now who can uh, uh, relate to that if you've ever taken, as a male anyway, those kind of anti-anxiety drugs, a lot of them will prevent you from performing sexually. And to me, that was a deal breaker. That just wasn't a part of the plan. And I wasn't willing to give that up. And, and sometimes I felt like that's what I had to do. And that's what I was being told by the doctors. Well, you need this medication. And I kept thinking in the back of my head, no, I don't need this medication. What I need are coping skills. I need to learn how to deal with this stuff because what happens when the prescriptions not available? What happens when you're traveling around the world and you can't find Lexapro? You know, they don't have it on every street corner at a Walgreens like we have here in the United States. So I was really concerned about those things. And I innately knew that if I learned the right set of skills, the pills wouldn't be needed. Now, I'm not a doctor and I'm not giving medical advice. I'm only telling you what worked for me and I'm telling you my story. And it's up to you to consult with your doctors and talk to them and find out what's best for you. In your situation, maybe medication is the right way to go. Um, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with taking medication if it works for you. 
But in my particular case, I couldn't find any combination of medication or any single medication that allowed me to function at the level and the acuity that I was accustomed to. And it kind of dulled me, it kind of dulled my senses. And I always talk about it turning me into a zombie because the only thing I really wanted to do was just be lazy, lay on the couch or go to bed and sleep it off. Uh, I, I hated being on the medication and it never really provided the results for me that I was being promised. Um, and I just wasn't willing to be the zombie that, that just laid in bed every day. And there was a large chunk of my life where that's what I did because um, I, I really had a hard time um, uh, with the medication, you know. And then one day someone taught me that how I process information will be the difference in the quality of the life that I live. And when I started thinking better, I started achieving better results in my life. And the next thing you knew, over time, my life began to improve. Now, this isn't to say that you're not going to have bad days because you are. That's just life. That's just the human experience. And it's not to say that you're not going to have bad relationships. You're not going to have problems with your friends. Uh, it's not to say life is not perfect. And by the way, life isn't fair at all. And so you need those coping skills. You need to learn those skills so that you have them in your war chest, I like to call it, so that in the event, the, when, or in the in, inevitable event, when these bad things happen in your life, you will have the skill set to get through it because this too shall pass. Everything, everything is temporary. Nothing is permanent. That includes your relationships. That includes the job you've got right now. I don't care if you've worked there for 30 years. It's temporary. It's going to go away one day. Everything is going to come and go. And if you lose your attachment to the outcome of these events, you find that you begin to live a more peaceful life. And I've spent the last, I don't know how many years, uh, over 20 years now, teaching people all over the world these concepts and changing their lives and watching their lives change. Because better thinking really does create better results. You know, it was such a powerful lesson uh, that I learned. And, and so in 2001, I started out on this journey to learn these techniques and share them with anyone that I could. In 2004, I released the very first version of my popular stress and anxiety management course. Um, and I have been updating it ever since. And today, I'm officially releasing my new updated improved version that I am so excited to share with the world. This is really the best version of this course that I've ever created. And you can find it at lifeskillsmasterclass.com or you could go to stephendiamond.com 
All roads lead to Rome. They'll all take you there. But as I learn these new skills uh, and share them with uh, those who need them, I started to realize that I was making a powerful impact in this world. And all of my priorities changed. Suddenly, I didn't want to tour around the world and perform magic anymore, uh, which is something I'd done since I was eight years old. Um, I suddenly realized that money was not the most important thing in my life. I, I didn't really care about it anymore. I realized that my purpose in this world was to leave it just a little tiny bit better than how I found it. And so I believe that this is my journey. I believe that this is my purpose. This is my path. My path is to find those people out there who are struggling with stress and anxiety and teach them some of the things that I've learned so that their lives might improve. So today, I live a much more peaceful existence in the crazy town of Las Vegas, Nevada. It's where I am right now. Uh, if you can't see me on YouTube, I'm sitting in my podcast studio right now at home and uh, uh, recording all of this for, for you guys. And Ascensity herself, you know, it, it, it's not to say that that um, this crazy town that everybody, you know, they see the Hangover movie and they think that that's what Las Vegas is. Um, it's really not that way. I live in a suburb just off the strip, uh, a couple blocks off the strip. And uh, it's really a normal place. It's just a normal life like you would have at any other town. Uh, now, the crazy's there. And if we want the crazy, we can definitely get the crazy. And just get in my car and drive five minutes away and boom, there you are. You're in the middle of crazy. But when you live in Las Vegas, you pretty much stay away from the strip. You, you try not to go there unless someone's visiting in town or you want to go see a show or have a world-class uh, meal in a great restaurant. Vegas is a great place. But... Vegas will chew you up and spit you out. And if you have anxiety and stress disorders, this place can be filled with pitfalls. And, and it's something that, that I've really struggled with my entire life. But I get ahead of myself. Let's go back to the beginning. You know, I grew up in a small town called Portsmouth, Virginia. And when I was about six years old, um, my father was in the process of getting a divorce from my incredibly crazy and mentally ill mother, who over the course of this broadcast, I'm sure you'll get to know because uh, I'll, I'll talk about her. Um, and uh, she's gone now, fortunately. Um, and the only reason I say fortunately is because um, uh, the world's a better place. Uh, now that she's gone. And I know that's going to be rough for some of you to hear. And some of you are going to think, what? How can you say that about your mother? But uh, just wait until you hear my mother's story and then you'll, you'll understand. But when I was a kid, uh, I was about six or seven years old. My father was getting a divorce and we moved into these apartments uh, called the Cherokee Apartments in, in, in Portsmouth, Virginia. And it was right across from the high school I would eventually go to called Manor High School. And my father worked a lot from 6 a.m. in the morning until about um, 6 or 7 at night. He was a truck mechanic. He owned his own business and um, just a small repair company, employed uh, three or four guys, uh, nothing extravagant. We were a middle-class family. We, we didn't have a lot of money, but we certainly didn't want for anything. And, um, uh, 
you know, I had a crazy mother. My father was was uh, the kind of guy who was more like Walt Disney. Um, he believed in dreams and he believed in going for it and go big and go home. You know, that was my dad's kind of way of being. But my mom was completely different. Um, she was mentally ill. She was a religious fanatic to the extreme. Um, there wasn't much difference between um, uh, the Taliban and my mom. They were both kind of similar in a lot of different ways. But when we moved into these apartments, my father took me to um, this babysitter who lived across the street. Now, I went to school with her two sons. She had these two boys that I think were a year or a year and a half apart. And I got to know them really well. And she offered to keep me, uh, since we rode the bus home together, she offered to keep me uh, in the afternoons while until my father came home from work. And so that's exactly what we did. Every day I would get off the bus and I would go home with uh, my two friends and would sit in the living room, watch Scooby-Doo and watch Good Times and all of those great uh, shows back in the 70s. And uh, my dad would come home and honk the horn and I would hear him and run out. That was our daily routine. Well, one day, something really, really tragic happened that would alter the course of my existence. But I didn't know because I was so young, I didn't know how bad this was going to affect me. And what happened was simply her ex-husband had gotten drunk and had come home and tried to make a move on her and she didn't want to have anything to do with it. And the next thing you know, he had killed her, violently killed her, had chopped her up. Now, it was probably about 3.30 in the morning and my father woke me up. We heard all kinds of fire trucks and, and police cars and everything out front. My dad looked out the window. We lived in a back apartment, so we couldn't see the front of what was going on. But we could see all of the flashing lights over the top of, of, of the building. It was bleeding onto the back of the property. And my dad thought the building was on fire. So he woke me up, just scooped me in his arms. I was in my underwear uh, in a t-shirt and uh, took me outside. And right in front of our building were all these fire trucks. And so we were sure that the building or the building in front of us was on fire. And my dad was talking to one of the firemen or may have been a police officer, I'm not sure. And um, he let go of my hand and I took off and ran around the back of the building and went up to my friend's house because my friend lived in an apartment in that building and I wanted to, you know, wake them up and let them know what was going on. And the door was open and there were all these people in there and I walked into the living room and what seemed like three or four minutes probably was only three or four seconds before someone grabbed me by the waist and, and just threw me over their shoulder and hightailed it out of the apartment. But it was too late because I had seen what I saw. And I saw my babysitter laying on the floor and she was hacked into pieces. And it was a pretty brutal murder. And when you're that young, you don't realize, it was kind of surreal. To this day, I can remember the smell. There was this smell of blood, this iron smell, this just smell 
I don't even know how to describe it. It's very unique. But to this day, I remember that smell. The strange thing about it is what my brain did during all of this is it began to compartmentalize and block this trauma out. And do you know, to this day, I cannot remember the name of those two boys. My brain has just completely blocked it out. I don't remember their names. And I never saw them again. The police came in. The boys were in the back bedroom and they were uh, asleep at the time of the murder. And uh, the police wrapped them up in sheets, woke them up, wrapped them up in sheets and took them down the staircase uh, and out the front of the building. And um, they were given to their grandparents and uh, the grandparents uh, took them out of school and moved away. And I never saw or heard from them ever again. And the only way that my brain could process this at such a young age was simply to compartmentalize it, put it inside of a little box and store it away. Now, that sounds like a great idea, but let me tell you what happens when that sort of thing takes place. What happens is that little box sits there in the back of your mind and grows and gets bigger and bigger and bigger until one day the top of it pops open and that tiger comes out and he's hungry and he starts looking for you. And that tiger chased me for the better part of 25 years. And it was a very, very hard thing to go through in therapy. I spent 20 plus years in therapy and it shocked me when therapist after therapist kept telling me that a lot of the stress and anxiety disorders that I had later in my life were a result of the incredibly traumatic things that happened to me when I was a kid. And I remember asking them time and time again, how can this affect me? Because that was so long ago and I hardly remember it. In fact, I didn't remember a lot of it at all. It was only once I went to a hypnotherapist and was uh, put into age regression therapy where they take you back to that particular time that some of those events became clear again and I was able to uh, remember some details that that had been long lost and forgotten and I found this fascinating I found it fascinating that something that was a trivial episode something I didn't really pay that much attention to for most of my life and was just kind of like a bad memory it was just something that happened and and I went on with my life but I didn't realize how that event could change me on a DNA level, could change my personality, could change the way I think. And you know, psychologists have told me that we develop our personalities by and large between the ages of zero and eight. So who you're going to be later in life is developed really in those first eight years. So. A really great exercise 
is to think back in your life and start thinking back to the time between you, the day you were born and your eighth birthday. And think about who are the influences in your life? Who were the most important people that were taking care of you? What was the environment that you were living in? Did you feel that you were secure in that environment? Did you feel that you that your needs were being met? Did you feel hungry? Did you have enough food to eat? Did you have friends and toys to play with? Or was your situation much more worse? Whatever the case may be, we can't change those events, but we can forgive them. And that's the first thing I want to teach you is that in order for you to heal today, you have to learn forgiveness. You have to become Elsa from Disney and let it go because there's absolutely nothing you can do about what's happened to you. You only have the right here and now. Those are the things right here and now, that's what you can control. That's what you can affect change. That's how you can affect the outcome of your life is by dealing with what's going on right here and now. But you can't change what's happened in the past. So you have to let it go and you have to learn to forgive it. Because without forgiveness, you will never heal. Please listen to me. Please listen to me. Without forgiveness, you will never heal. So many of you out there who have seen me on Tiger King, season two, the Doc Antle story, have written to me and asked me, have I forgiven Bhagavan, Doc Antle, for the atrocities that I witnessed and the things he did to me? He was very violent with me on multiple occasions. And I was really young at that time too. And I was completely naive and totally inexperienced. And I didn't realize the, uh, the, the Jedi mind tricks that were, you know, being played on me at the time. But the answer to the question is yes, I had to forgive Bhagavan and I had to let go of that part of my life. In fact, when the producers of Tiger King uh, first began contacting me years ago, um, I turned it down uh, four or five times because I just didn't want anything to do with it. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. I didn't want to be associated with him anymore. I didn't want to tell the story. I didn't want to be involved with it in any way. And as I said in the show, the only real reason I did it was because Mitra is no longer here to speak for himself. Um, and I felt that someone needed to give that guy a voice because he in large part is responsible for me being the confident, strong guy I am today. He taught me to accept myself. And had I not gone through that with him in those early days, I'm not sure that I would even be alive today. And so I have a great deal of gratitude that I owe Mark Topping, which was his real name, 
Um, we grew up calling him Mitra because Bhagavan, being the cult leader that he is, um, always one of the techniques that a cult leader will use is to change your name, to break you down. Uh, and they give you, he, he gives people these Sanskrit names. So it keeps them, uh, it kind of separates, put a dividing wall between who they truly are. And then he can take and mold and shape them into what he wants or needs them to be. That's, that's classic cult leader behavior. Um, any psychologist will, will tell you that. And so I didn't realize, I was very unsophisticated at that young age, and I didn't realize um, uh, the tricks that were being played on me. But in order for me to heal, my therapist as a very young man told me that I had to forgive. And I had to let go. And it was hard because I was angry. I was so, so angry for a very large part of my life. I was very, very angry. And it caused, that anger caused so much stress and anxiety in my life. And, and it just caused me to be this angry person that on stage, I was great. When the curtain went up, I could go out there and do the show every night like it was nothing. And, and it, it was great. And, you know, I was really good at what I did. But, but... When the curtain would go down, that was another story. The worst part of my day was when I would get taken from the venue back to a hotel room and my production manager, Jim Meadows, would take me to the door and would always ask me, you okay, need anything? And I would be like, no, I'm okay. And he would be like, okay, I'll see you in the morning. And I would go into the room and shut the door. To this day, being in a hotel room by myself is one of the loneliest places that I know of because I spent most of my life traveling around the world, living in hotel rooms. And so even today, when I go into a hotel room and shut that door and turn around and see the room is empty, it's just me in there. Um, my anxiety and stress gets triggered a little bit. It does. It still comes at me. That little tiger still comes and bites me in the butt and makes me feel all kinds of certain ways. But I think it's really important for everyone out there listening to understand that no matter what is eating you from the inside out, no matter what kind of tigers or or exotic prey you have living inside that is out there trying to eat you alive, you do not have to continue to live that way. Once you learn the proper skills, all the skills I'm going to teach you on this broadcast and all the other skills that I teach you in my online course, they will change your life just as they did mine. I'm Stephen Diamond. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that if I've shared some interesting stories or shared anything in this broadcast that you related to, I hope you'll smash that subscribe button and stay with us on this journey because it's going to get crazy. I'm going to tell you all of what happened and you're not going to believe it. And the crazy thing is, it's all true. 
I can't wait to be with you on this journey. Thank you for listening to me no matter where you are. And if you get a chance, check out stephendiamond.com or lifeskillsmasterclass.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.